welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey, this is Chris from the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, helping them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you here again today. You know, today I am pleased to be able to bring you Dominic Daniel. And Dominic and I go back to our college years where we went to Western Michigan University's Go Broncos. And we had the opportunity to be theater majors together. I've been following his career throughout the years. He's been out in California for many years doing the theater thing, doing the movie thing, the TV thing, and being an actor as well as a writer and more. We're going to talk about that. But we always start this show with talking about being a dad. But first and foremost, Dominic, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm really excited to have you here, not only to talk about your experience in being a dad, but also to talk about the fact that you're an author. So we're going to be talking about that too. I always start the show with talking about you as a dad. So first and foremost, this is the Dads with Daughters podcast. So I want to have you Think about your daughter, and I know she's six right now, and I want you to turn that clock back in time. Go back, let's say, six and a half years, seven years, when you first found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. Talk to me about that. Okay. Well, when I first found out, this is the first time when we had our our son, we we, uh, went with a surprise. The second time around, my wife was like, I want to know what room we're painting what we're painting this room, what color it is. And and, uh, I want to make sure we get some actual stuff. I don't want to sit there and keep getting, you know, mid beige or, you know, some of these colors trying to be like a unisex color. I want to know. So it was the first time that I actually got to kind of find out before the baby was here. And that was exciting to find out. I think we did it, I want to say it was maybe six months in or five and a half months in, somewhere around there. So that was really exciting. Because I remember we had our first baby shower was very unisex. And it was like, ah, whatever. And then this time it was like this fully pink balloons and all this kind of stuff and light blue. And, and so it was really, really awesome. And then, of course, there were a lot of firsts that time. When my son was first born, my mother had passed. My wife's family was in Europe. So it was kind of just like me and her, you know, and it was all this stuff that happens, you know, if you've ever for all the dads out there and people who know, you know, we, we go through the whole birth and the family. And, and it was like, we didn't have any family, but it was just me and her, you know, we were a young couple and that was it. But my wife's mother, my mother-in-law actually had felt very bad about the fact that we did the first time all by ourselves. And she called us up and she was like, it's been so long since I had kids. I forgot about how much stuff you need help with. And you guys are all the way on the other side of the world and you had nobody. I'm going to get on a plane. She has a fear of like flying. And she has a fear of coming to America because she was just assuming she was going to get lost somewhere and all this other crazy stuff. Um, Because, you know, her English isn't uh, really good, um, but she was like, I'm going to do it. When my granddaughter is born, I will be there. So she flew all the way out here. She hung out with us for like two weeks before my daughter was born. Then it happened to be that like we expected she ended up being later. So she was like, oh, I hope she's born before I have to go or we have to extend the ticket. And luckily enough, she was. And so she was here with us. So that was like this awesome experience to just have like somebody here and helping out and, you know, and all that kind of stuff um, that we had never experienced. You know, it was just kind of great to feel like, you know, not feel so alone in the process. And the other difference was that my son came out and literally he was the loudest baby 
on the floor so much that the nurses came down to our room and were like, hey, you're not allowed to have visitors and like young kids on this floor. And we were like, what about the baby? And they were like, yeah, the baby's fine. But like there were some kids here earlier who were screaming and making way too much noise. And we were like, no, no, that was the baby. That was him. And they were like, oh, good luck. <laughs> just walked out. But my daughter came out and she was just, she, it was like a movie baby. Because you know in the movies, every parent sees this in the movies and you're always like, get out of here with that. Come on. Because the baby's like, meh, 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 meh. <laughs> and like that. And, and every time I, when, when my son was born after that, every time I watched the movie and that happened, I was like, fake. Never had a baby, obviously. But my daughter came out and was like, meh, and just, and that was it. She just, just went to sleep and, and she was quiet. She was quiet for like five months until she really found her voice. So she was just this sweet little tiny thing. And, and we could eat, you know, because with my son, we couldn't do anything. Like every moment he was fussing and needed something. And, and she was just calm. Like she'd cry for a second. You'd pick her up kind of like, and she'd be like, oh. My son, I literally had to like run around my house or our townhouse complex in order to calm him down. Like he just needed motion. She was just like, just hug me. That's all I needed. And so it was so great because I was like, oh, this sweet little precious child has been given to me. Thank you, God, because you know the first one was so tough. You gave us this girl. Thank you. So yeah, so so having a daughter was like, it was amazing. I loved it. I loved it so much. It was just such a great experience. And it, and it was also cool to kind of have both experiences to compare them to, you know? But yeah, I am such a hundred percent. I remember a really good friend of mine who had three girls. We were talking one day and his girls were doing something and my son was doing something. This was before my daughter was born. I was like, no, Andy, you need to, you need to get a little tougher here, man. You need to, you know, really put, put, put down the law here because he's a cop too. And I was like, I don't know, for an officer of the law, man, you don't really seem to really have any strength to put the foot down. And he goes, I can't wait till you have a daughter, Don. I pray that you have a daughter. That's what I do. And when you do, I'm going to come and laugh at you when you're wrapped around that finger. And I'm going to be like, where's all that strength, Dom? Where's that foot that you're putting down? And he was right. I'm ashamed to say it, but he was right. I don't. My, I look at my daughter at times. I'm like, hey, I told you to. And then she does this thing. She knows. She's, she's a manipulator. I'm going to say it. She looks at me and she goes, daddy, I love you. I'm sorry. And... The whole conversation is done. I'm like, I'm just, she's got me. She's got me. So, yeah, girl dead all the way. I think that all of us have those experiences with our daughters and we do get wrapped around their little fingers. And, uh, you know, that, that leads me to asking you this because, you know, as your daughter has gotten older, you've definitely had some memorable experiences, some things that you could say, oh my gosh, that, that was amazing. What's been the most memorable experience that you've had thus far as a father to a daughter? You know, it's it, it, it's funny because the thing that really sticks out the most to me, I mean, because we've had so many like just kind of like beautiful moments, and, and and my daughter is very much like an artistic flower child, and, and, and so she's always like drawing pictures. If I, if I turn my camera around, I'll show you all these different little pictures I have all on my walls. But the greatest thing actually about her is that. Unfortunately, my daughter inherited from me um, eczema. So, so she has she has very severe eczema. And it's actually even it's worse than I remember mine. So that means that like you know she's just you know certain things just 
set her off and she's scared. Her skin gets irritated by things. You know, it gets inflamed very easily. You know, sometimes even just going outside, you know, you know, hay season, you know, it, it can be a bad day. But the greatest thing about her is, is her ability to overcome and not just overcome, but like challenge adversity. Like, I'll be like, ah, I don't know if we should go out. And she's like, Daddy, I'll get at you, but it won't last that long. And then I can just get over it. And I'm like, man, if you really want to do this, let's go do it. And it's just like, because my wife is very protective. It's like, oh, well, don't do this and don't do this. And she's like, nah, let's do it. And she's, it's, it's her spirit of just like attacking life and not like just throwing caution to the wind and just being so tough that is just, it's, it's amazing to watch really because it's funny because my father has eczema and it's very slight. And we were talking about this one day because he was like, oh, and he was complaining and everything. And I was like, dad, your granddaughter is worse than you as far as like her flare-ups and what bothers her and what irritates her. I was like, and you don't ever say, he goes, she's made of tougher stuff than I am, okay? <laughs> I just died. I was like, all right, I'll accept that. Yeah, I guess so. And, and she is, and it's beautiful to see that in her spirit that she just like doesn't let anything hold her back or get her down. And as a dad, as a parent, it's one of those qualities, I think, that you, you start to see certain characteristics about your kids. And, you know, you're really hoping like, okay, this is an, an ingrained foundational characteristic. I really hope that this is just something that's going to be with her forever, you know? And it, that's one of them. It's one of those things that I'm like, oh, I'm not worried about her. She's going to plow through anything life can give her. And whatever it is she wants to do, she's going to do it. And so I think like overall, like as, as a memory, that's just one of the things that I'm always like thinking about with her is that like everything's just like, let's do it. Everything's an adventure for her. And I love that. Love it, love it, love it about her. Now there's high moments, there's low moments, there's those moments in between. And I think that every father, when they have a daughter, there's fear as well. And sometimes there's fears that you have in raising daughters in today's society. What would you say is your biggest fear? in raising a daughter in today's society? You know, that's a good question. I don't think I've really had, I mean, I guess just like the general stuff, you know, dating, going out in the world, you know, it's, it's a very, I don't know how off the cuff we can get here, but you know, of course I have some fear of like, you know, uh, my daughter not being able to protect herself or being in some situation like that. But at the same time, my daughter is studying jujitsu and she can choke out a grown man. I know it because as I'm teaching her moves, I'm like, okay, you can let up. You can let up on daddy's neck. Or if I look over and I see her brother's like suffocating, I'm like, no, no. Remember, we're, we're only going 50% today. Um, so I do have those natural fears. But I think like th those are things I have for both of my kids. Like them just being in situations where like, you know, someone's trying to take advantage of them, you know, whether it be mentally or physically. I always have that concern. And so I would say, like, that's pretty much my biggest fear of them. I don't really have any fears of failure for them because I believe in, like, the idea of almost, like, failing up, you know, you're going to fail. And it's kind of what I teach them, like, you're going to fail. That's just a part of life. But if you are able to learn from them, if you're able to grasp something new, then you take those things and you move forward. It's just like experimentation. It's science. That's how you learn. The person who invented, you know, the cheese grater wasn't trying to make a cheese grater. That's how those things go. 
So I think I don't really have big fears for them. I guess it's just like it, it's just more like concerns. But my biggest thing had to be with like just being you know protected. But I now know from knowing her personality that she's like really tough. She fights the boys. So I feel a little more at ease. Like all right, well she's gonna be one of those people who punches a boy in the nose, and the principal's gonna call me in, and I'm gonna be like, oh, well, what was he doing? And then he got punched in the nose. Obviously, he must have been doing something. Should let's talk to that kid's parents. <laughs> And then they're gonna be like, he was just giving your daughter flowers. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, it's her fault. It's probably her fault. I'll, I'll talk to her. And then she's gonna look at me and be like, but daddy. And I'm like, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it. So it was a two party. It was, it was our biggest fear. And then what was the other one? No, it's really about the fears. So oh, okay. I think you answered it for, my, yeah. for me. Now I have to ask this question because one of the things that you were on, I loved, and, and I know that you loved it too, the fact that you were on the show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And as a huge comic book fan myself, you know, seeing you in the Marvel Universe was a ton of fun, but that sets you up in your kids' eyes to be bigger than life because you become a part of that superhero universe. So talk to me about that aspect now of your life where you are their father, but they also see you as this guy that now is a part of the Marvel Universe. Um, yeah, well, so here's the funny thing. My kids love some Lego, love Winks. It's, about, uh, it's a series about uh, butterfly princesses so love that comic books marvel not as much yet it's just what they're doing so i'm super excited and they're like oh cool dad cool you got another job awesome you know but then there's like you know i i do you know like vision boards and stuff like you know hey things i want to do later on and they're aware of it because they see it and and my kids are very uh, uh inquisitive so they always ask me questions well what what is that well what's this why is that there and all that kind of stuff and so they know that I have this vision for doing another Marvel character. And my daughter is like my trainer and coach. And she's always pushing me to get that goal accomplished. And also, you know, hey, she's young and impatient. Um, so I'm like, yeah, this is my goal for five years from now. And she's like, why five? Can't you just do it next year? <laughs> she, I remember this is hilarious. It, midway, because the craziest thing is like, it just like pops in her head like every once in a while. Like it's not like something we talk about every day, but every once in a while, like mm, yeah, a couple months, almost a year, something like that, it pops in her head that this is something I'm supposed to be doing. And then she will just say it like in a way that makes me feel like, oh, apparently I, I'm not very good at you know working on my goals or something. <laughs> because just like it was probably about like, I want to say a month ago or somewhere around there, three or four weeks ago. And... She goes, so dad, if you're supposed to be doing this Marvel character, oh no, no, I'm sorry. It was it was right uh, in, in November that, that she brought this up. Cause she goes, dad, if you're supposed to be doing this Marvel character, why aren't you doing it yet? And I was like, well, honey, there's, there's, a, there's a pandemic. The whole, whole country's shut down and they're not making any movies really right now. And she goes, and so why aren't you doing it yet? I was like, because n- nobody's doing anything. And she goes, so then you're just not gonna do anything either. You're just gonna sit around and I was like, doing other stuff like, <laughs> like i just felt like a slouch i'm like i'm like am i leaving a bad example here as a parent like what do you want from me <laughs> she's like i don't accept excuses <laughs> i was like oh okay all right yeah sure but yeah in that sense like it's it's funny because there's a lot of stuff that i've done that you know my kids can't watch so I'm always excited, like, you know, like, hey, if I can be on a show that they can watch. Because even, like, being on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it was like, all right, I just have to show you me on TV for two seconds, 
And then that's it. I can't really have you watch it yet. But they also are aware because people like kids I go to school with and stuff like that. And I go in, I do like readings for their school and stuff like that. And so their teachers, because I went to my son's thing one time to do a reading and his friends were like asking me for autographs and stuff like that. And he was just like, why are they doing that? Because like, they probably saw me on TV and he's like, and because I think they're just so used to like, this is what I do. So he's just like, like in, in their mind, they're like, all right, well, it's that's I don't ask his dad for an autograph. And he's a firefighter. <laughs> Maybe you should ask that firefighter for an autograph. He's really doing something amazing. So for them, it's just like, you know, dad goes to work. And one of the things that I've heard so much over the past year now is like, hey, you get to be home and they love it. Like, I think for them, like they're so excited because normally, you know, my work makes me travel, like leave a lot or, or even when I'm shooting something that's local, the hours are crazy. I think this is a thing people don't recognize about television is that, or, or film is that like, you do like 14, 16 hour days on the normal, that's a regular, you know, day. And so like, I leave before they get up in on top of it, like I have to do workouts. So like, I'm up at like five, you know, sometimes when I'm on set, four o'clock in the morning, working out. They leaving the gym and going straight to set. And then by the time I come home, they're asleep and then they just do it all over again. And I never noticed how much my kids clock my like time frame of being home until this year because they've mentioned so many times. And the crazier part is being an actor, like, you know, like you're working, then you're off. You're working, then you're off, you know? So it's not even like a regular nine to five. But if you listen to my kids, you would think that like I've been living in Taipei for the past six years. And now they're like, and you're finally home. And I'm like, guys, I, I think I'm home way more than most dads. And they're like, but you're gone a lot. <laughs> but I love it though, because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's it, I hope it means that they want me around a lot. So, you know, so, so I do love it. But yeah, I, I think like that's the crazy thing with, you know, when, when you're doing something and no matter how cool you think it is, your kids are just like, oh, it's all right. You're cool. So, in your mind, as you look forward on that dream board of your set for yourself, or just in general, as you think about the the journey that you've been on in your acting career, what is that pinnacle role? What is that what is that role that you are aspiring for? Is it that you want to write it? Is it that you want to act it? And and what is that picture in your mind? Oh, the picture is so very clear. So I I want to almost feel like I'm not allowed to say it, but I definitely want to play a very iconic African-American Marvel superhero, and I want to write it. I've poured through the comic so many times. I've actually started writing the script, even though nobody asked me to. I figure at some point in time, I'm always doing meetings. I'm going to be sitting in a meeting in a boardroom because I was actually working with a producer last year for a television show, and we're still, you know, everything happened. So we kind of had to, you know, shut it down for a little bit. But now as you know, things are back to opening up, we're getting out and we're going to start doing more meetings things. But I have it like on my computer, I have it on my vision board. And he, and as I was pulling up something, he looked at me and he's like, what's that? And I was like, ah, that's my vision for the next couple of years. This is what I want to do. And he was like, do you know if anybody has a script out for you? And I was like, I have no idea, but I'm writing one already. And he was like, well, let's see if we can pitch it to some people. I was like, well, let's do that. So, because it's, it's just like, so, so ideally I want to, I want to write it. I want to direct it. And I either want Ryan Coogler, or I want John Favreau to direct the project for me, and I want to play the lead. And yeah, it's, it's I don't I don't know if I can say it yet. I'm not, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. 
for those who are comic book fans and they look at this face, they may already know it. And that's good. Well, talking about things that you're doing, one of the things that we want to talk about today is that, like I said, you're you're now a, an author. And I've been an author before. I know what it's like. It takes time. It takes effort. And you've jumped into a children's book called Take Flight. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about the the kind of the journey and and what was it that made you decide to kind of take a step away from screenwriting from acting to say i also want to bring this other aspect this other part of creativity out for the world yeah even back in when i was in college i actually had several scholarships in writing that was one of the ways that i was able to pay for college doing you know there was always there was different poetry contests and stuff like that so i was always writing something to try to try to get a little bit of scholarship money and stuff like that or, or grants or whatever. And writing was actually how I got into the entertainment business. I used to used to love poetry. I used to not like public speaking. I was very introverted growing up. And the reason I got into acting is because I had an assistant principal who basically kind of nudged me like, hey, look, you need to get out of your shell. I know you got a lot in there. And she nudged me into the spotlight. And so I've just, so writing poems and and scripts and stuff has always been something I kind of do just kind of like for myself and out of the limelight. And and one of those things that I was like, one day I'm going to put it out there. One day I'm going to put it out there. And over the past couple of years of like reading stories to my kids, my daughter in her infinite creativity, always at the end of story time, reading a book, no matter what you're reading, if she's still awake, she then would insist on the made-up story. So you could read everything on the Dr. Seuss catalog, and then my daughter would be like, Daddy, come story now. And then it was like makeup story time. So I made up like four or five different stories. And at some point in time, I think around the time she was like maybe four or something, she basically asked me, why isn't the story real? Or could I make the story real? And I was like, yeah. You know, and say, yeah, and the kids asked me, yeah. And then the next day, she remembered that we had this conversation. She was like, so when are you going to do it? And I was like, huh? She was like, you said you can make it real. When are you going to do it? Make it a real book. And I was like, I don't know. Uh, didn't have a deadline. Um, how's your November looking? And so she started asking for dates. So we started putting a, a project calendar together because I kind of taught them to do a project calendar. So then my daughter forced a project calendar on me and was like, okay, well, can you have it ready by November? And I was like, okay, well, I can have the general manuscript together by November. Is that okay with you? It's it's not going to have any pictures. It's just going to be words. And she's like, okay. And then after that, she was like, well, when are you going to have the pictures? And I'm like, okay, look. And then she's like, my birthday. Can you have it done by my birthday? So last year, my daughter insisted that I had to have the book ready by her birthday. And so I did. And she would remind me, like, my birthday's in two weeks. Are you done yet? And so as I was working with an illustrator, because like I, I am a subpar artist. Uh, I can draw enough to get you a good concept, you know, you know, where you might be looking at something going, is, is that a duck or, or is that a man with a funny hat? I'm not sure. But so I kind of put together the initial concept of, of what I wanted and drew all the pictures out and, you know, kind of did the whole page layout. And then I found an artist and asked them to really, you know, make the illustrations, you know, really make them really look good and pop off the page. And so my daughter actually went through the whole process with me. Whenever the artist would send me something back, she would basically kind of confirm like, okay, yeah, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. That's good. Daddy, I don't like this one. I remember at one point in time, I was like, what don't you like about it, baby? She goes, 
because the Harold Duff looks too much like a girl. And I was like, huh? She was like, he looks too, you see this tuff of hair? She's very good. She's really good. She was like, this tuff of hair makes him look too much like a girl. And the other one is the girl and you don't want the kids to get confused. And I was like, this is very specific feedback. You are, you're good. And so I followed it because I'm like, well, this is going to kids. Who better? She fits the demographic. If she's like mm, not feeling it, maybe other kids will feel the same way. So we went through the whole process of picture after picture, scenery, all that kind of stuff. And she gave me corrections. And and I was even telling the artist, I was like, so Nyla feels that. And after a while, it became it kind of came our joke where he would send me something like, so let me know what Nyla thinks. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'll let you know. And so we went through this whole process of putting it all together. And Really, I did it because my daughter told me that I had to do it. Yeah, and it was done by her birthday. And once I had that initial book done, you know, like on a PDF form and all that kind of stuff, she demanded that the book needs to be in stores and out. And she wanted, because that makes it real. And so then became the planning of, of doing that, finding publishers and all that kind of stuff. And luckily, I was able to get that all done before her birthday this May. Because that was the deadline in which she gave me. <laughs> so yeah, so it was it was kind of just like a pet project because my daughter kept insisting on like having something. And I was like, all right, cool, great. And it was something I kind of always thought about doing, but I wasn't, this wasn't my time frame. I was going to do it later. And she just kind of gave me that. I got a nudge from a five-year-old, you know, that put me in the right direction. And I'm glad she did. Now, I know that in looking at the book um, and from an, from an outsider's perspective, it says it's going to be a series. So you're, you've got some concepts and ideas for the future. Talk to me about the storyline of this book for someone that hasn't read it yet, because I know it just hit the, hit the market and per se. And yep, there, and, and I'm seeing a picture of it right in front of me right now. And it is about Harold the Duck. And, but talk to me about the journey that Harold goes on and then how you're hoping that that is going to continue into a series in the future. As a screenwriter, when I originally came up with this concept and how I even started telling it to my kids is that I kind of had this movie idea for this book or for this character. And so I, I had this movie idea about a little dog, his name's Harold, and he wanted to be an eagle elite, uh, which in Harold's world is uh, the highest standard that any flying bird could ever reach because the eagle elites are like the protectors of the forest. They're like forest rangers. In his world also, ducks are considered like male people. So they deliver and carry mail for the most part. And Harold wanted to be something better. He wanted to be a hero. And so he's this little duck who no one really believes is going to be able to do this. And at first he doesn't get a lot of support for his dream of what he wants to do. Even his parents who are trying to be supportive, which I think is an experience a lot of people can relate to, you know, even the people who love you at times will be like, yeah, well, that's great that you want to, because as an actor, I can tell you, I, I heard the same conversation. Oh, it's great that you want to be an actor, but maybe you want to, you know, get a backup degree in something, or maybe you want to, you know, just go work at the factory for a year, see how you like it, or, or maybe you want to be a doctor. And I was like, oh, that's so hilarious. <laughs> You're like, yeah, backup could be a doctor. I'm like, really? That's 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 your, your where you push that at? Um, so anyway... Uh, the idea is that Harold wants to be a part of the Eagle Elites, and no one really believes in him, but he believes in himself. And then he goes, and all the Eagles there are kind of against the idea of this duck coming in and trying to be a part of the squad. So he kind of gets made fun of, kind of shoved around. He doesn't fit in quite exactly. And then Harold gets mentored by, of all things, a flying squirrel. And the flying squirrel essentially teaches him how to use what people think may be his weakness 
as his strength and to use what comes naturally to him versus always trying to do it the way someone else does it. And he teaches him how to kind of think out the box to kind of get the job done. And through that, Harold is able to, just one little quick thing, like uh, in the stories of eagles and ducks, ducks are better swimmers. Ducks are better divers. And so Harold discovers that part of what makes him unique and what makes him uh, able to save people is that he can do something that eagles can't. He can go underwater and he can swim much longer and faster than the eagles. So that gives him a very unique ability. And he uses that in order to kind of advance ahead. So it's just a story that I think I, I kind of want to tell to kids about diversity and adversity and having a belief in yourself. And as I said, once again, I really pull it from my daughter because watching her over the years was one of those things where like, you know, she had a lot of things she had to overcome and she pretty much did it with a smile on. And every time that even we were like, oh no, you shouldn't. She was like, I got this don't worry. And so that's kind of where that story came from. And the series builds out is because we see how Harold's kind of attitude is infectious and it kind of starts to go into all the other people. Because in the next one, Mallory decides that she's going to join the squad. And then they have to help their Eagle Squad captain because he has a problem. And so Harold and Mallory both work together in order to help him out. And, and so it kind of just continues as you know more, we see them helping with, with more people. And kind of just spreading that can-do attitude, you know, all over the world. Now you've, you're dipping your toes into the children's literature realm. Do you have other ideas down the road for further writing outside of children's lit? At some point in time, I'm going to write a novel. I don't know when, but at some point in time, I'm going to write a novel. And it'll probably be a YA novel. It'll probably be a young adult novel. Because as a person who grew up, you know, doing a lot of reading, I am still a huge fan of lots of, like, magic and myth and folklore and all that kind of stuff. And I also feel like there's still so much that is underdeveloped, which I know may sound crazy, but I feel like there's still so many different like things to tackle in that world, different stories to tell. And now I feel like as we are, I guess as a global force, I kind of move it into a more diverse culture. I feel like it's time we start seeing, because, you know, hey, as a kid growing up and, you know, doing D&D or or watching anything that had to do with like, you know, uh, magic and everything. I was very underrepresented, you know, I didn't see myself a lot. And I remember saying like, wait a minute, you got orcs and people with horns out there and noses and all this kinds of stuff. And you ain't got one brother in there, really not one. So I feel like that's a part of it that needs to be explored. We need to see why we can see space aliens and all kinds of craziness. Um, we also need to be able to see other people's religions and backgrounds and stories being fitted into these worlds. Because if you are a person who's a big fan of you know the, the realms of magic and all of that, you kind of learn that a lot of those stories do come out of like ancient African stories or ancient you know Chinese stories and you know and so like why not also represent those people in those stories? So kind of that's what I want to do. I want to be able to share that in the YA space. And at some point in time, I'm gonna write just a novel. I'm gonna write just a regular old novel, and I don't know when that's gonna happen. But I always have like this thing of like, yeah, one day I'm gonna get that on the list. But yeah, so I hope to continue doing that in more scripts, and and hopefully I have another along with this series for Take Flight. I have another series called Leader of the Pack that's about a, a group of wolves who raise a panther, and so that's gonna be another set. So yeah, so I'm just I'm really enjoying this, and also my daughter has been inspired this year. So she started writing her own books, which was so crazy because one day she just came and she goes, Dad, 
I read a book. It's four pages long. And I was like, really? She had been sitting in her room by herself. And whenever she couldn't spell a word, she would just yell out, Alexa, spell blah, blah, blah. And then Alexa would spell the word first, so she would just keep writing. And so she came and she showed me like this little four-page book. And now it's grown to this like 16-page book. And so she keeps, she's like, I want to write this book. And I was like, all right. So at some point in time, I guess we're going to just, it's going to be a family business. And we're just going to be pumping out books. And then we're going to have our own publication. We're going to have so many things. We're just going to have our own publication. Why not? That's awesome. So I always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve even deeper into you as a dad. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. In one word, what is fatherhood? Love. When was the time that you finally felt like you were successful in being a father to a daughter? At our first father-daughter dance. Nice. I just saw a picture of my youngest daughter and I at the last daddy-daughter dance that we were able to go to, and it brought back a lot of memories. So I, yeah. you saying, even you saying that brings back memories, and it's things that just keep in, stay in your head. Here it is. The thing that really made me feel so successful is that we got to the father-daughter dance, and at first she was kind of nervous because she wasn't sure if she would, you know, because it was, it was kindergarten. She was only in kindergarten. And so she wasn't sure if she would know people and all this other stuff. And about mm, 10 minutes in, my daughter just ran off, and she was dancing with her friends. And, and I watched this dad who was there with his sixth grade. I think she was in sixth grade. And they were doing a dance together and everything, and you could see, like, this was their thing. And I was like, that's awesome. And then my daughter took off and she was dancing with everybody. And it just made me feel like, wow, she feels independent. She feels safe. She doesn't necessarily like need to like cower under me all the time. And so it made me feel like I've done my job. She's good. She's ready to take on the world. Well, it talks about that, as I said at the very beginning, this show is all about raising daughters that are strong, independent women. Mm -hmm. That shows you that you're doing things right and yeah. you're preparing her to be able to be independent and be able to be okay by herself, which is what all parents want. But especially dads with daughters, that's what we want. Yeah. Now, if I was to ask your kids, how would they describe you as a dad? A superhero. Suit up. <laughs> now, who inspires you to be a better dad? Oh, my goodness. Really, it comes down to like five people. My father being one of them. My uncle John, because he was this really big dude who was a football player and never made it like to the NFL, but, you know, the football coach for kids and all that kind of stuff, just had that very tough football mentality, but yet loved to bake. And so he would always bake us cookies. So he's just this big dude who would do all this silly stuff, make us cookies and stuff. So I always loved that about him. My grandfather, because my grandfather was one of the most complete men I've ever met in my entire life. And the fact that he was tough, he was strong, he was a supporter, but also he was very sensitive. He was one of the only men growing up that like I could talk to about any issue without him getting like angry or upset about anything. He had a certain calmness about him and he was sensitive. He was one of the first men that I ever saw cry. And you know, and so in that sense, like he really taught me what it was like to be a man and to be human without all of the other exterior posturing that people do. So yeah, so my grandfather was one of them. And then my college professor, a guy named Vaughn Washington. And you remember Vaughn. Vaughn was just, there was a certain thing about manhood and being a father because he, he had three kids and they were all involved in the arts. 
And for them, it was like kind of like a family affair, a family business, you know, with his wife and everything. She was involved too. So it kind of taught me this idea about like partnership because that was something like my dad did one thing, my, my mom did a, a different thing as far as work goes. And there was no real like, you know, partnership with that in their relationship. But I remember watching Vaughn and his wife and I was like, wow, they have like a full total partnership. And I always respected that. And from the moment I saw it, I was like, I want that. I want to be married to someone who I can like have a partnership with all the way through. And so that's a lesson that I always took away from them. And I remember like, but by the time I met Vaughn, his kids were older. I think they were even older than, than us at the time. So I remember meeting them and watching them hang out and interact and thinking like, here they are, they're grown adults, and they still like hanging out with them. So that was something I wanted. You know, I was like, I, I want to be like that dad that when my kids are 22, they love hanging out. We go get coffee, you know, talk about their life. I want all that kind of stuff. So that was one of those times I was like, yep, I definitely want that as well on my, on my father list. And then my godfather. My godfather is a veteran, a former Marine. He was a community leader and an activist, a dad of two. And he's just like a people magnet. People love him. Anywhere he goes, a restaurant or to the mayor's office, like people just gravitate to him. And he was always so super cool. Just like really, really, really cool. And could be one of the coolest men I know. And that was also something as like being an adult and being a man and being a father that I wanted to be able to have. Um, so those are like the five people who kind of like make up how I decided I was going to be a father. Sounds like amazing people to have in your life and to be able to guide you along the way. And it's always good to have those in your life because not every man does. So it's important when you do have those type of people to be able to turn to and ask for help when you do need it. And and just to be there in your back pocket to be able to support you along the way. Now, as we finish up, what advice would you give to other dads? You know what? I think you kind of just hinted to it right there is that I think for me, I would really suggest like some form, no matter what it is, of like mentorship. Even if for whatever reasons, the only mentorship you can get is like, you know, hey, I never had a good experience with my dad or I never had a good experience with my grandparents or whatever the case may be. Try to pull from that then and be like, what was it about that experience that you didn't like? Was it something they were doing? And if it was, what was it? Then try to remember that. Sew that into yourself to promise yourself that when you become a dad or if you're already a dad, these are things you're not going to do. Because even though I said my dad, my birth father, I don't really have any communication with. I was raised by my stepdad, but I call him my dad, my father, because uh, I've been with him since I was like two. He's really the only real dad I know. But my birth father, who I've known, and you know, we used to have a relationship of some disastrous level. There were things that he did that I was just like, you know what? That's a great example of stuff not to do. And so I think like look to other experiences in order to kind of create your own. And hopefully if you can find, because I know tons of people say, oh, well, I didn't have a dad, I didn't have this. But maybe you had an uncle, maybe you had a teacher, maybe you had a football coach, maybe you had, there's other stuff out there. There's, there's, there's pebbles, there's stones along the way that kind of leads you to what you want to do. You know, like the Hansel and Gretel, you know, crumbs. And a lot of people, I think a lot of times overlook those because it's not just the direct exact way you would have wanted it. And so they miss out on, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I did have a coach who really, 
you know, paid attention and gave me, you know, these tidbits and everything. So I always say, if you can't just get like a, a person who just sits you down and does like a, you know, a, a total mentoring program of being a father, then look around you and piecemeal some things together as to what you want to be as a father. So. Well, I really appreciate you being here today, Dominic. Now, if people want to find out more about your book, where's the best place for them to go? The best place to go is you can go to my website at www all lowercase letters, I make America great. Dot net. Dot net is the most important thing. And you can look at the book there. You can buy the book there. Or you can go to Amazon or Apple Books. Just type in Take Flight, Dominic Daniel. And it's going to be pretty much at all the major stores, Barnes and Noble and you know, all that kind of stuff come March 16th. Pre-orders are out right now. So jump on the pre-orders. Uh, as, as an author, you know, pre-orders are big. People, you know, it really lets people know that like, hey, people want this book. So yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. Or, or you can follow me on Instagram at Team Dominic Daniel. I'm always putting out information there. Once again, as I said before, I'm terrible at promoting myself. So if I'm messing up any of this, you can always just Google Dominic Daniel. You'll probably find something somewhere. Well, Dominic, as as you said, and, and I should have said this right after your last answer, but you know, having that community behind you to help mentor you to be there is important. I talk about it because in Fathering Together, which this is a podcast of fatheringtogether.org, and we do have communities that are available to be able to, for you to be able to connect with other dads, just like yourself that are going through this journey. We have a Dads with Daughters community with over 130,000 members worldwide. We have a Dads with Sons group. We have a lot of different groups and there are opportunities for you to be able to make those connections. So definitely check those out. But Dominic, thank you so much for your time and I wish you all the best. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. This has been great. You have a great day and I wish you all the best as well. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons, we make the meals, we buy them presents. Bring your A-game, cause those kids are growing fast. The time goes by just like a dynamite blast. Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men. Get out and be the world to Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.